to the word this morning and um, the subject this morning is an unbreakable covenant now you don't need to be very theologically uh, trained to know that God is a God of covenant you know when you take the Bible the first thing you notice when you open it is that it's in two parts we call them the Old Testament and the New Testament really it means the Old Covenant and the New Covenant a covenant is an agreement that establishes a relationship between two parties it's something that is placed between two parties for the purpose of establishing that relationship in fact the, the Greek word for covenant is dear to themai. Dear means through or between. To themai is to set or to place. So a covenant is something which is set or placed between two parties for the purpose of establishing a relationship between them. Now, as I say, we've got old covenant, we've got new covenant. So what is it that God placed between him and the people to establish a relationship under the old covenant the answer to that is the law the law was the basis of their relationship if they kept the law they were in covenant with God they were blessed by God but if they broke the law and kept on breaking the law they would experience the curse of the law and eventually they would uh, be exposed to their enemies and that's what happened we know that uh, uh, you know in the end they were carried away into captivity because they broke the covenant now one thing that a lot of Christians do not understand and it's very clear they do not understand it and that is this that that God made that covenant with the nation of Israel you and I were not in that covenant you know um, if I can just uh, here we go this is a new said through Moses to the children of Israel what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day amen God gave the law to Israel and brought them into covenant on the basis of that law in the next chapter he said and Moses called all Israel and said to them here, O Israel, not Australia, not America, amen, not Egypt. Here, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, Sinai. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers. Okay, so he didn't make that covenant, the, the, the law covenant with Noah, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. But with us, the Exodus generation who are here today, all of us who are alive. Amen. It's very clear and very specific. And furthermore, we can see Israel entering into that covenant, agreeing to that covenant in the book of Exodus we read then he took the book of the covenant read in the hearing of the people and they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient signed on the dotted line 
Amen? We're in covenant with you on the basis of our law-keeping, our keeping of the law which you have given to us today. Amen? But they didn't. <laughs> they broke the covenant. And we know that in the end, after a period of many hundreds of years of God being patient and reaching out to them, sending prophets after them and so on, in the end, they went away into captivity. But even when they went into captivity, God promised a new covenant. Amen? He promised a new covenant through the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. So we read, for example, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Note that this covenant is not going to be anything like the last covenant. We're not, we're not replacing one set of laws with another set of laws, a completely different covenant. My covenant, which they broke, even though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Amen. So this is a new covenant. A new covenant. Now, let me just ask you this question. If you were in someone's will, okay, say you've got a rich uncle, and you know that you're in his will, and then you hear that two years later he's written a new will. Which will do you want to be in? The new will. <laughs> Why is that? Because the new one has made the old one obsolete. Amen? And so the new one is, the, up to this stage anyway, the last will and testament. And that's the one that's valid. Amen. And so the new replaces the old. In the book of Hebrews, in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Amen. Now, some of you might be thinking, hang on a minute, Ken. Back there, when it talked about the new covenant, God said, I will make the new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So how does that apply to us? Well, we know that we were grafted in to this. And also we know that when Jesus, through Paul, writing to a Gentile church, the church at Corinth, said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Amen. And so we're included in this new covenant, as is very clear from that scripture and many other scriptures. And furthermore, actually you won't find anywhere in the scripture where God went to Israel, as we saw he did in the old covenant, and made that covenant with them. 
where they agreed and they came into the covenant. There's no record of their doing so. So who did God make the new covenant with? Well, he made it with Jesus. The new covenant is between the Father and the Son. Amen. Let's have a look. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. This is the Father speaking to the Son. You can look at the context. It makes it clear. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the peoples and a light for the Gentiles. So Jesus is the covenant. God says, I will make you a covenant. He is the one that has been placed between us and God. God entered into a covenant with his son. And when you received Jesus, you were baptized into Jesus. And so you are one with Jesus, one spirit with him. And on that basis, you are in covenant with God because you're in Christ. But the covenant was made with Jesus. We see it again in chapter 49. God says to the son, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant to the people. Amen. You see, the reason why the old covenant broke down is because it was between God and man. And, and, and man cannot do what God requires. And God needed to understand the weakness and the, the fallibilities, if I can put it that way, speaking in man's terms, of man. And so there was a, a mediator that was needed. In fact, Job expressed that so well. When he spoke about God, he said, he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him and that we should go to court together. We don't understand each other in that sense. Is he speaking as a man? Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay hand, his hand on us both. There's no one that can bring us together. And that's why we're celebrating, coming up to uh, Christmas, the incarnation, where God was manifest in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Amen? The Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't just represent God and man. He doesn't just represent both parties. He is both parties. Fully God, knowing the requirements of God, Amen. Knowing the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and fully man. Encompassed about with all our infirmities and weakness, yet without sin. Able to bring us together in this new covenant. And so the new covenant then was not made with us. It was made for us, but it was not made with us, but with Jesus. Now, that means when, when I sin... God does not reckon with me, but with Jesus. Amen? If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When a believer sins, it is the, it is the mediator, it is the advocate, it is Jesus who represents us, who comes before the Father and gives testimony to the fact that all our sins were laid upon him 
And he has paid for them all. And his righteousness, Jesus Christ the righteous, has been imputed to us. And so the blood of Jesus is bearing testimony to the Father. Our sins are forgiving. And, and the presence of Jesus is bearing testimony to the Father concerning our righteousness. Amen? God does not deal with us on an individual basis now in terms of his blessing. You know, God does not say, well, you know what? You've been really good this week. I'm going to bless you, but I can't say the same for you. You've really mucked up big time this week. You don't get much this week. It's not like that, friends. We're blessed because of Jesus. Amen? We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And, and so God deals with us on the basis of our representative, the mediator of the new covenant. Now, when you come to the book of Hebrews, we talk about, or rather, it talks about when the new covenant began. See, a lot of people, they open their Bibles, they come to the Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, they think that's the start of the new covenant. It's not, actually. The new covenant started when Jesus died. That's when the new covenant began. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. When do the heirs receive the promise and the blessings? At the point of death of the testator. Amen. As I say, we'll go back to your rich uncle again. Okay. Um, somebody phones up, a relative says, I've got some news for you about Uncle Tony. What do you say? Is he dead? <laughs> because then you know if he's died, only at that point do you receive the benefits of the covenant. Amen? Okay, so for no death, no benefits of the covenant. That's what it's saying. It goes on to say, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now what kind of death? Are we just going to hang around until he dies of old age? No. Because the next verse makes it very clear. It, was, it had to be the sacrificial death, a substitutionary death, a death that received the judgment of God that was due to us that released us from death and sin and opened the door to the blessings and the life of God. And so we read in the next chapter, in the next verse, sorry, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. What is that speaking about? Animal sacrifices that were offered to atone for the sins or to cover the sins pointing forward to Jesus. Amen? And, and so the, the, the new covenant began at the death of Jesus. We've just celebrated the new covenant with the bread and the wine. And Jesus said, this is my blood in the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That word remission 
Some translations have the word forgiveness. Literally, ephiema is the, is the Greek, ephiema, emai. And it means to send away, to send away. What it's saying is that God has taken your sins, put them on Jesus, and sent them away from you. You'll never see them again. That's the meaning. And you know, this is enacted, of course, or depicted, I should say, every year on the Day of Atonement. You know, all through the year, the Israelites had to offer up their sacrifices. But what if they failed to offer a sacrifice? You know, sins of ignorance. They sinned, but they weren't even aware of it. How would those be covered? Every year, there was, on the Day of Atonement, there was what we call the scapegoat. And, and that represented the sins of the nation. It's the only day, by the way, that the Jews were commanded to fast on the Day of Atonement. And, and, and all the sins were transferred to that goat who was slain in the place of the nation. But there was another goat. And, and the high priest laid his hands on that goat and he was sent outside the camp into the wilderness. And it's a picture of him carrying away the sins of that nation for another year. Now we know, as the book of Hebrews tells us, that it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Okay, they could only cover them in anticipation of the Lamb of God who would come. Because an animal is amoral, it's, a, it's not a moral being, it cannot take that death for us because of our sin. But what did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't that beautiful? God has taken all our sins. He's placed them on Jesus who has taken them away. You will never see them again. That goat never came back into the camp. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from. He's buried them in the depths of his sea. He's cast them behind his back. Many images and pictures to, to try to get across to us, your sins, you will see them no more. They've been dealt with at the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, sometimes people talk about a covenant in terms of, of um, like a contract. But there, there, there's a difference. In fact, there are a couple of differences I want to note between a contract and a covenant. I signed a, you see, a covenant exchanges properties or changes properties. I signed a contract 14 years ago when we bought a house, it wasn't built, but there was a contract. And, and, and we signed the contract with the builder and the builder contracted to deliver this house made of certain material, everything was specified, what kind of bricks, what kind of tiles, what it was going to be like on the inside, the fittings, the carpets, what was going to go in the kitchen, on the outside, the landscaping, the driveway, the, the letterbox, everything down to the, 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 the um, what do you call it, the washing line, you know, what do you call it? Yeah, that one, yeah. Um, everything. And so they contracted to give us all that. We contracted in exchange to give them a certain amount of money. Okay? So, a contract 
changes or exchanges properties. But a covenant binds persons together. You see the difference? A contract says, this is yours and this is mine under the contract. A covenant says, I am yours and you are mine. It's like a marriage covenant. You know, we covenant to give ourselves to one another. Amen? And another difference between the contract and the covenant is that a contract is temporary. Whereas a covenant is permanent. A contract is only until it's fulfilled. So this contract that I signed 14 years ago, I can't run after the, the builder and ask him for more to put on an extension now. Because that's not in the contract. The contract has been fulfilled. I don't know if the builder is still in business. I don't even know if he's still alive. And he can't come after me for more money. Because it's, 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 it's fulfilled. The contract is fulfilled. You understand? Whereas a covenant is permanent. It's a permanent agreement. And, and, and it's, it's emphasised, the permanence of it, is emphasized with the exchanging of oaths. People swore to one another in the name of God that they would fulfill their obligations under the covenant. And so God was brought in as a witness. God was invoked to, to be the guarantor. Lord, you witnessing to this, I will do this, I will give myself to this person, this person will give themselves to me. Now, under the new covenant, remember we said, God said, don't think of it in terms of the old covenant. It's not going to be like the old covenant. The old covenant was, um, you do this and I'll do that. That's why it failed. That's why it's a broken covenant. That's why it's obsolete. Under the new covenant, Jesus is the guarantor. Remember, you did not covenant to do anything. You did not vow to do anything under the covenant. Jesus vowed to do it all. Now, really the new covenant is an extension or a fulfillment of the promised covenant that God made to Abraham. And what we see when God made the covenant with Abraham is that they had to do it on the basis of, of a custom that everyone was familiar with. And it went something like this. They would take the sacrificial animals, cut them in two, kill them, cut them in two, and make like an avenue of blood. Okay? Half of the animals down this line, the other half down here. They would stand at the end, each end of the avenue facing each other. And then they would walk down the avenue making their promises to one another swearing before God that they would perform their promises. And they would say something like this, may my life be like the life of one of these dead animals if I do not fulfill my obligation. So in other words, they were, they were invoking death upon themselves if they failed to carry out their obligation. 
Now you know that God told Abraham to get everything ready, to get the avenue of blood ready, to wait until God appeared. And he waited and waited and waited and waited. And God didn't appear. And then he fell asleep. Remember? Then God came. And God was the one who walked down the avenue and made the promises. Abraham was passive in the whole thing. It was to show us that it's in the strength of what God will do for us. The old, it's not going to be like the old covenant that we can break and then annul again. It's not going to be like that. The whole strength is going to be in the power of God to do what he said he would do. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says, For when made, God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater. See, we make a promise, we swear by God who's greater than us. So God, you come in, you're greater than us. You take away my life if I do not do this. Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely. Now, wherever you see that, when God says surely, that's God swearing, taking an oath. Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Amen? Now, thus, in fact, before we look at that, I want to ask you this. Why did God make a covenant? Why did God take an oath to carry out the covenant? Was it to back himself into a corner so that he could not get out of it? No. It was for our sake so that we would have this incredible assurance that the covenant would be fulfilled. Now, get that point very clear because it comes out in these next few verses. Thus, God determining, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, us, the immutability, that word means unchangeableness, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, one is his word, that's enough, amen? God's word is enough, God does not lie. But he added to that his oath. He basically said, may I cease to be God if I do not do what I'm promising to do under this covenant. Wow! That wasn't to back himself into a corner, it was to give to us this incredible assurance by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled to refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us you know I, I do get a little bit tired of, of debating with some Christians over this thing of eternal security that you can lose your salvation, you can lose your salvation. Friends, people that think that way do not understand covenant. God has pledged himself and for our sakes he signed the covenant with an oath that he will do everything that he has said he will do in the covenant. Praise God. Now you know that 
uh, I've shared often that every doctrine is in the, in the New Testament is illustrated in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you an illustration of this, this thing of making an oath in a covenant. When, when Israel entered the promised land, God had given that, that nation of Canaan many, many centuries, four centuries in fact, to repent of their sins. But their iniquity reached the full measure. They were offering up children in sacrifices to false gods, burning them alive. God said enough. It's time to go in and cleanse the land. Now, there was a tribe amongst the Canaanites called the Gibeonites. And, and the Gibeonites were very crafty. They knew that God was with Israel and their time had come and passed and that they were going to wipe them out. And so what they did is they, they sent ambassadors to Israel pretending to belong to a nation a long way away, not a part of Israel, but a long way away. They dressed up in old clothes as if they'd been traveling for a long time with you know, tears in their clothes, their shoes were worn out, they had uh, bread and, and provisions, but it was all moldy, so that it would give the impression they'd come from a long way. And they came to Joshua and they said, we've heard about you and you know, uh, we were sent to make a covenant with you, to be at peace with you. And Israel did a foolish thing, they didn't check out the story. They didn't consult the Lord. They entered into a covenant with Israel. Let's read about that. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. You see that? You can't back out. Then they discovered that they'd been ripped off. They'd been deceived. They'd been lied to. How would you treat people like that? Well, they were in covenant with them. They were at peace with them. They were one with them. They were one with them now. And so we read, the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel and all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Near therefore, we may not touch them. Can you see how they were protected by the covenant that was sealed with the oath? And furthermore, in the next chapter, five of the tribes of Canaan, when they heard of what Gibeon had done, that they'd entered into a covenant with Israel, they came out to war against them. What did Gibeon do? Sent to Joshua. Said, hey, we're in trouble and we're in covenant with you. We need your help. And Joshua got his army together and went to war against them. And it's in that chapter that the greatest miracle in the whole of the Old Testament took place. Do you remember that? When the sun stood still for a day. Because Joshua was winning the battle, but he needed more time. And, and uh, the, the, the sun stood still for almost a whole day. So they could complete the victory. All because they were in covenant with the land of Israel. Praise God. 
Praise God. And you are in covenant with God. I love this verse in the book of Hebrews again, where it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, in the, in, sorry, in the Greek, you can check this out, there are five negatives. Five negatives, actually. It doesn't come out as strong in the English as it is in the Greek. It reads, it reads like this. For he himself has said, I will never, absolutely never leave you, and I will never, never, absolutely never forsake you. That's how it is in the Greek. Praise God. And then you get some people say, yeah, but what about, I oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> I've given up. See, this is not a covenant like the old covenant that was dependent upon our doing. You say, is there no doing in the new covenant? Of course there is. Who does the doing in the doing? Paul says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working from the inside out. Not giving you a list of rules and saying, go away and do it. God says, I'll do the work in you. Praise God. And so it's completely different to the old covenant. The old covenant says, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. The new covenant but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbour and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. Again, when he gave the promise of the new covenant through Ezekiel, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. It's about God doing the work in us and through us and for us. Completely new covenant. You know, some people say, yes, but what about if we do this or we don't do that? Well, Paul answers that. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Amen? Amen? Don't bring God down to our level. Let's adore who he is. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And so, Jesus is the new covenant. He's the one that God has placed between us and him, and he is the basis upon whom God will bless us. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. 
to the glory of God through us. You know the Hebrew word for faithful, God is faithful. If we, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. The, the Hebrew word for faithful is aman, from which we get the word amen. Amen. See, often we think of uh, having faith being faith what we've got to do. But true faith doesn't say, yes, Lord, I will do this. True faith says, yes, Lord, I believe you will do all that you've said you will do under the new covenant. All the promises in, of God in him are yes and in him Amen to the glory of God through us. Let me just close by, uh, you know, I don't often quote from the NIV. I'm, I'm, I prefer the New King James Version, but in this case, the NIV brings it out much clearer. Look at this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, who is the covenant. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God gives us a promise and Jesus says it's yes, this promise. And we respond by saying, Amen. You are faithful, God. That's who you are. That's who you are. We're just saying it. It's who you are. It's who you are. Amen. Don't work yourself up into thinking all the time what you've got to do, what you must do, what you will do, your commitment, your recommitment, your dedication, your rededication. The new covenant is about what he has done. Our response is the amen. Yes, Lord, faithful. That's who you are. That's who you are. Thank God for this unbreakable covenant. He didn't need to do that so that he would find no way out. He did that so that we would have this incredible assurance and confidence of our standing with him. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you today that you are a, a God of covenant. And we thank you that Jesus is the covenant that you brought us into. You made a covenant with him to bless us, to do us good, to save us, to cleanse us, to make us righteous, to give us eternal life to give us so many blessings, temporal as well as spiritual. And we thank you, Lord God, that all those promises are yes in Christ. And we respond with the amen, saying, Lord, you are faithful. You will do it. We trust you. We thank you, Lord, that you've said, I will never, absolutely never leave you. And I will never never, absolutely never forsake you. We believe that, Lord. That's enough for us. We're not interested in arguing that case with others, Lord. If they have not had that re revelation, then we pray that you'll continue to give that revelation to all your children. But we rest in the faithfulness of our covenant-keeping God. And we give you glory this day in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Amen.